This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart talking to Oanda Senior Market Analysts across the world. Let's join Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon, Johnny. How are you, mate? Very well, thanks. It's been a busy Wednesday so far on both sides of the Atlantic. Let's start with the latest US retail sales, which have increased by the most in nearly two years after two straight monthly declines, and mainly down to Americans buying a lot of cars. Perhaps it points to the economy's continued resilience. So there is resilience in the economy. There's no doubt about that. We're still seeing households burn through pandemic savings, and that's helping to sustain them through these periods of higher interest rates and enable them to continue to spend, even though inflation is high. But at the same time, weather is a major factor here, and it was a major factor over the last couple of months as well. So we saw two disappointing retail sales reports in November and December when we did see pretty bad weather in the US. And all of a sudden, we saw a warmer January, and we've seen retail sales bounce back really strongly. So yes, uh, car sales was one area where we are still seeing a bit of a lag, because we're still seeing that continue to pick up after the pandemic disruption to supply chains, meaning that we saw less output on that side and less purchases. So we are still seeing a bit of a catch up from that. But at the same time, we've seen a bit of a broad spread of uh, improvements in January. And a lot of it does seem to point to the weather. And there is always a link really between weather conditions and spending, especially during these winter months. If you get really bad weather, people stay indoors. They don't spend money on various different things. They don't go to the car showrooms to buy these cars. They do tend to stay at home a little bit more. So when you get nasty weather like we saw in November and December, you do see consumer activity decline a little bit. And then we see warmer weather in January. You do see it bounce back. That's why expectations were already quite high, but it's actually surpassed expectations that much further. February, we could see a little bit of a rebound again because weather hasn't been great in the first half of the month. So we could see a bit of a smoothing effect here, not just from the fact that we've seen additional sales in January, meaning we see a little bit less in February, but also the weather elements as well could see that offset. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see what the average is across the first few months of the year. I do still think uh, consumer activity over the course of the rest of the year is going to be much lower than we saw in 2021 around half of pandemic savings have now been spent and we're not obviously going to foresee that fall to zero we're going to see that fall a little bit further i would imagine as households continue to lean on that but the distribution of those savings means that we're probably not going to see that entirely used up and there's going to be people throughout the income spectrum who have different levels of savings left over and those with a higher propensity to spend is probably going to be among those who have the lesser um, spending capability as a result of uh, that lower a buffer at this stage so i do think we are going to see that effect spending over the course of this year but it just means that the us more so than maybe some other countries is continuing to see strong consumer activity at this point in time i'm just not sure it's going to last over the longer term and that strong consumer activity even if it is short to medium term uh, craig comes on the back of yesterday's inflation numbers. And I suppose that could fuel further market speculation that the Fed will continue raising interest rates through the summer and beyond. Yeah, the data over the course of the last two weeks really has not been ideal. In fact, I'm really surprised at how resilient equity markets have been to it. We've seen a red hot jobs report. Declines in inflation, so we are still seeing disinflation, but to a lesser degree, and inflation is still far too high. 
That was the inflation report yesterday. And then the retail sales, strong consumer activity today. So demand is still strong. So that lends itself to the potential for price pressures to remain heightened. And that's going to be a concern to the Fed. That's three very poor reports if you're a Fed Reserve policymaker. That's not going to encourage you to stop the pace of tightening anytime soon. And you can see that reflected in the markets. And this is the interesting thing, the difference between the way we're seeing equity markets trade with bond markets or gold markets and even oil markets to some extent as well. We're seeing equity markets show incredible resilience but gold has fallen quite considerably into not just falling into correction but deepen that correction now over the course of the last few days the dollar has been stronger and you look at interest rate expectations for the US and we're now at a 4.5 4.75% range we're expecting markets are seeing a 90% chance of a 25 base point rate hike in March we're seeing more than 80% chance of another rate hike then in May and even after that Markets think there's more chance of a third rate hike in June than not. So markets have become much more hawkish. And what that also means is that they perceive interest rates at the end of this year to be above 5%. So we've gone from a position of markets pricing in one more rate hike only two weeks ago, one more rate hike uh, in March, and then maybe two rate cuts later in the year to maybe three rate hikes and maybe one, but probably no rate cuts later in the year. That's a massive shift. And it's not really reflecting in the equity markets at the minute, which I find really interesting. And I think that's something that we could potentially continue to see be very volatile now over the coming weeks because the data just isn't playing ball. And it seems that the kind of eternal optimism that we can sometimes see at equity markets is showing strength once more. Talking of equity markets, today we saw a big moment for the UK stock exchange, surpassing that magical 8,000 figure after all these years. Yeah, first time ever. It really does show the difference between the FTSE 100 index and the UK economy, right? You think that these indices are representative of the economy itself, the CAC France, the DAX Germany, the S&P, the US. And in most cases, it really is, but the FTSE is unique. I think it's around 80% of revenue for FTSE 100 companies is actually generated outside of the UK. So it really isn't a UK index in that sense. It's a reflection of the global economy. And in reality, you look at things like oil and gas firms and they have an outsized impact on the index. So the FTSE 100 has been performing really well when people are becoming increasingly pessimistic about the UK economy, partly because oil has been performing well and oil companies have been reporting record revenues. And at the same time, in a strange way, again, it's actually weakness in the pound that benefits the index as well. Because those revenues are generated outside the UK, the weaker the pound is, the better that is when you convert that back. So we've seen the FTSE hitting all-time highs at a time when there's immense pessimism around the UK economy. And of course, we're seeing the pound off around 1.4% at the time of recording today, and that's giving the FTSE an extra lift. So today, it's not really just oil and gas companies that are performing well. It is kind of widespread within the index of seeing a decent performance, which has helped to push it above that 8,000 marker uh, because we are seeing more weakness in the pound. So it's a historic day in many senses. But anyone hoping that that means that the UK economy is going to boom uh, may be a little bit disappointed. If I cast my mind back more than 20 years to the year 2000, it was about 7,000 then. So historically speaking, it hasn't gone up much over the years. Yeah, if we look at the 
times that the FTSE 100 has peaked previously, it peaked around 7,000 around the dot-com period, so you're looking more than 20 years ago. And then it peaked around the same level in 2007, of course, before the global financial crisis. And it was only really then around 2015 and then obviously going into kind of 2017 that we actually started to see it surpass those levels, moving up towards 8,000. So this has been a long time coming. And like I say, maybe once upon a time, it could have been viewed as uh, more of a, a reflection of the UK economy itself. That's very much no longer the case. We've also had the latest inflation numbers for the UK today and a mixed picture, although it's down for the third month in a row to 10.1%. That actually is a better than market expectations, decreases in fuel prices and the cost of eating out. Two of the reasons why inflation has gone down. How have markets reacted? So again, it's it's quite interesting because sometimes in these markets, it can be quite hard to try and gauge exactly why these markets are responding as they are. There was a time when higher inflationary pressures was not supporting the pound. The pound wasn't strengthening because the Bank of England was going to be forced to raise interest rates more. The pound was actually performing poorly because every rate hike, every additional rate hike was seen as being as a massive negative for the economy, something that was not going to tip the economy into recession, but deepen and prolong a recession it wasn't that long ago that the Bank of England was talking about a two-year recession, effectively. So it was every additional rate hike was seen as a huge negative and was a massive negative for the currency. And it feels like we've seen a normalisation again in the way the pound responds to this data. So like I said, the pound is off around 1.4% today. And it really started around 7am when this data was uh, released. And it seems to be more a reflection of the fact that we could potentially see a slightly more dovish Bank of England on the back of this inflation data. 10.1% is far too high. It's more than five times target. So you may be thinking, why would the Bank of England be more dovish? Why would the Bank of England possibly stop raising rates when inflation is above 10%? And there's three clear reasons. One is base effects. Around May, we should start to see much more favorable base effects, which means that we see inflation falling quite considerably because of the year-on-year comparison. Lower energy prices is another reason why we could see inflation falling over the months ahead as well, and lower food prices as well. The Bank of England, even prior to this report during the inflation, the monetary policy report that was released in February, they expected that inflation was going to fall to around 4% later on this year or at the end of the year. Now, if we're seeing disinflation at a faster pace than markets and the Bank of England are expecting, that leaves open the possibility, it's not a guarantee, that leaves open the possibility that we could actually see that lower again. So that could potentially encourage the Bank of England to end its tightening cycle a little bit sooner, but also maybe even cut rates later in the year. And that kind of dovishness may be filtering through to the performance of the pound. What I will say on this is, Anticipating the pace and trajectory of inflation is incredibly difficult at this point in time. No one expected inflation to rise in the way that it did last year at the start of the year. I always go back to this uh, that I remember hearing from, I think it was Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, suggesting that we could see five interest rate hikes this year from the Federal Reserve. And that was seen as a really, I think he said five to seven. And that was seen as a really, really strong view, this kind of outlier compared to what the markets were thinking of maybe three to four. And it proved to be extremely optimistic. And we obviously saw an awful lot more than that. So this is an, an incredibly difficult period to make these forecasts. However, if the Bank of England's expectations and data is accurate and reliable, then this would suggest that maybe inflation is falling a little bit faster than that. And if that is the case, and if we see a similar response in the inflation data to last year but in reverse 
then the pressure could really ease up on the central bank and maybe even other central banks if we see the same elsewhere and enable lower terminal rates and rate cuts later this year. That could be something that could enable the UK to maybe even avoid a recession. I mean, again, maybe I'm being a little bit over-optimistic and hopeful here, but I guess we have to live in hope at times. We absolutely do. Craig Earlham in London, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast 